Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. Today's message is the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. And the question, I, I want to teach on this maybe the next couple of weeks. I think it'll be interesting. But what we do and why we do it. What we do and why we do it. We're going to use 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 17, and then 26 through 32. I'm not sure I'll refer to 17 today, but we will eventually refer to it. And today we are going to gather around the Lord's table. The Lord's Supper is a wonderful gift from God and is a seal and sign of God's promises to all who have come to Christ in repentance and faith. After it rains, many times you will see a rainbow in the sky. Do you know why you do not need to be afraid that God is going to destroy the world with a flood again? Because you have seen in the past a rainbow in the sky. What is a rainbow? A rainbow is God's seal that he will never destroy the earth again with a flood. The rainbow is a visual seal of the promise of God. And the rainbow is God's visible reminder of his promise that he'll never, that he will not destroy the earth again in the flood. So the rainbow, in other words is God's visible word. God is speaking to you and to me in a picture when we see the rainbow. The rainbow is reinforcing God's teaching, God's truth, God's promise with a visual image that seals it into our hearts and minds that God has made a promise to you and me. The rainbow is a sign of God's mercy that it will never destroy the earth again with a flood. But not only does the rainbow say that to me, the rainbow also reminds me that the flood took place because of the wickedness of Noah's generation. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 says that their hearts were continually upon evil. And so I am reminded that God's judgment upon that first world, first group of people, came because they were wicked and that God hates sin. But another thing the rainbow reminds me of is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So the rainbow looks back and it looks forward. Almost all of God's signs or seals looks back to salvation and judgment, and they also look forward to salvation and judgment. There are many other signs and seals in the scripture that you may not think of. There is circumcision, physical circumcision, but the Bible also speaks of a spiritual circumcision. There's the baptism of the Holy Spirit along with the gift of tongues, and that is a sign and a seal that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven and he was exalted and he sat down at the right hand of God and he sent the Holy Spirit 
You and I were not fortunate enough to see the great resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the coming of the Holy Spirit and His work in our lives today reminds us that that truth still lives on. Another sign or seal that we have is our Christian walk. We, we preach through how we live. Now, I attended a Southern Baptist seminary. It was big on soul winning, witnessing and testifying. And many times they would push back against the idea that my life preaches a sermon because they wanted to emphasize that we're to go and tell the world that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And I agree with that. But I also believe that your life is a walking sermon that you preach as you live, especially those that are close to you. Surely your family knows that this would not be a good time to call you. Why? Because you're in church. Your life is a sign and a seal of God's mercy and grace in your life. On the 19th of November, we'll have a water baptism service. And water baptism is a sign and a seal. It is a sign that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's also a sign that he rose again from the dead, but because you are in him, that one day you will rise again. And it also looks forward to the coming of the Lord. They're the signs of the times. What is going on in the Middle East today for every Bible student knows that this is a sign of the times. How it will turn out, I cannot tell you. You've heard me preach in times past that the rise of Islam is a sign of the times. War and rumors of war are signs of the times. The reprobate mind of men, God said that in the last days that he would turn mankind over to a reprobate mind. Just to give you an example, anyone who believes that a man can be a woman, a man who cannot ovulate, cannot breastfeed, cannot get pregnant, is a woman. If you believe that, I think it's a fulfillment of that sign. The rise of immorality is a sign of the times. The increase of lawlessness is a sign of the times. And I could go on and on. Our life as a church and how we live and how we function as a church is a sign of the times. So there's visible seals. There's visible signs. There's visible seals that come into our mind that helps you and I, even the newest believer, That God has worked in our lives, that God is working in our lives, and that God will work in our lives. Now, the two basic visual seals that the church practices on a regular basis is that of water baptism and the Lord's Supper. We do this as much and as often as we can and should, but the whole of the Christian faith really is summed up in these two visual images. That of taking a bath and having a meal. My inner life needs to be washed. My inner life needs to be fed. My inner life needs to be strengthened. These are the great promises to me and to you in Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper, water baptism, is a sign of God's saving and sanctifying power in my life. Let me say this. God saves you 
with the intention of sanctifying you. There's too many in the church that thinks it's just about salvation. God doesn't save anybody without the intention of setting them apart for His purposes, for His use. We'll talk more about that in the days and weeks to come. The Lord's Supper, water baptism, reinforces in your mind and my mind and heart what God has promised to you and me in His Word. We need these visible signs often because how many times this week have you thought about God's grace and mercy? How many times this week have you thought God has saved me and is saving me and will save me? That's what's going on. There's three big words, and sometimes you these are words of the church, and you ought to know them. There are people that say, well, what you believe is not, not that important. Wrong. What you believe is important. And salvation has three parts to it. There's justification. God treats you. If you repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ, God will justify you, which means he will forgive you, and he will treat you as though you have never sinned. But then you move from justification into sanctification, which means that God is working in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible tells you and me to put off the old man and put on the new man. That's why the scripture tells you and me to renew our mind in the word of God. You and I are to be growing in grace and mercy. And that is the sanctifying work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that is not taking place in your life, then I would argue that you probably need to question the first part of salvation. Are you really justified? Are you really saved? Because if you were, you'd be responding to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because all who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And God ought to be leading you to holiness. And then the final work of salvation is glorification. God is going... Take this mortal body. The other day, Deanna was sitting on the other side of the table, and she was going through some stuff. And she had this picture, and I was kind of shocked. I don't, I couldn't figure out why. She had a picture of our engagement picture that we put in the paper. Now, just between you and me, that's 48 years ago or more. I don't know if she thought she'd hope I'd get that good looking again? Because I've gotten uglier as we've gone on. But I'm going to tell you what. I've changed a lot in 48 years. And I've not gotten younger. I've gotten older. Really, I can tell you, this body is kind of wrinkling up, rotting away in a sense. But glorification is that God is going to give us a new body. This mortal is going to put on immortality. This perishable is going to put on imperishable. God is going to save us 
wholly and completely spirit, soul, and body. And so salvation has three parts. But we need these signs because we forget that God is merciful and gracious. If I see the rainbow, I remember God's judgment, but I also remember God's mercy. If I see someone baptized, I remember that Jesus Christ died in my place and rose again from the dead and that he's coming again. I remember that Jesus saved me. When I take the Lord's Supper, I remember Jesus died for me so that I might have life, but not just life, but that I might have eternal life. These symbols, these things that we do, preach sermons to you and to me. These visual images reinforce to our dull dull and slow minds the reality of God's promises that are so easily forgotten by the cares of life, and they bring what God's mercy and grace has done in my life anew to my mind and my heart. This morning, I want to picture you to picture for with me for a few moments what some people call curves, and I call mountains and valleys. First, I'm going to call the mountain curve. That is a curve that rises from here up to the peak and then falls back down to where it started. The other one is the valley curve that starts on this mountain peak, comes down to the valley, and goes up to another peak. Many people think of the Lord's Supper like the mountain curve, the first one. In other words, they think of the Lord's Supper as being something that begins with me, with you, with us, offering something to God. That we in the supper offer something to God so that he in turn may be gracious to us. Many people think of that way, and they've been taught that way. So remember this. The mountain curve is this. It begins with us. It ends with us. It it begins with us offering something to God so God might be gracious to us and bless us. And so we finish blessed. The valley curve, of course, is just the opposite. The Lord's Supper is not something that we offer to God, but something he offers to us. After all, it's not our supper. It's the Lord's Supper. It is the Lord who invites us. We did not invite him this morning. Really, I've seen it done when you come to church. People say, well, let's invite the Lord. If it's the Lord's house, we've come into his place. We're invited here. We've come to see him. Now, let me talk to those who aren't here. I don't know why this popped in my mind, but it did. You don't walk into your mama's house and throw trash on the floor, do you? Not that anyone would throw stuff on the Lord's floor. I was in a church. I pastored the church. And that, I had a guy in my church that was, thought that was a time he ought to clip his fingernails. 
And not only that, leave his fingernails there. I hope you don't do that in your mama's house. I hope you don't pull your shoes off and pull your take your socks off and start clipping your toenails and letting them go everywhere. That must have been anointed. I don't know. You just do what, what you want to, okay? But the Lord's Supper is not something we offer to the God. It's something he offers to us. He invites us. See, we're not trying... The Lord's Supper really is not about us trying to get God to change for us. The Lord's Supper is about God changing us. Just as the rainbow is set by God in the sky to speak to us about His mercy, and baptism is God speaking to us about what He's done for us in Jesus Christ, and even the gift of tongues is about God baptizing us in the Holy Spirit, So the Lord's Supper is not so much about us speaking to God, but God speaking to us about the life that flows from the Lord Jesus Christ because he died on the cross on our behalf in our place so that we might have eternal life. So what I'm saying is God speaks to us in words, mostly in words, mostly in sermons, but there are times that he speaks to you and me in pictures. God takes the initiative, this initiative, in order that in His mercy, you and I may rise in newness of life to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and have His will fulfilled in our lives and that we might fulfill God's will on earth. So here's the question I need to ask you. Do we think of the Lord's Supper as the mountain curve or the valley curve? Are we offering something to God when we take the Lord's Supper, or is the Lord offering something to us? People are taught one or the other. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You should be skeptical of any teaching that starts with man and ends with man. Every teaching ought to begin with God and end with God. I remember... I just call it bad teaching. I don't want to call it false teaching. It could become that. But people used to teach that about giving. If you wanted God to do something for you, you start with giving. But that is wrong. It always starts with God. You give because God has given to you. Yes, God, God asks you to trust Him. He asks you to try Him. He asks you to test Him. But you're always... Not giving from what you have. You give from what God has given you. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. We as a people, we come around the Thanksgiving table this year. We're to remind ourselves that God has blessed us. Not our boss, not our job, not ourselves, not our dad, not our mom. But God has blessed us. God has given us work. God has given us a place to make a living. God has given us family. Everything we have has come from God. So any teaching that starts with man and ends up with man, even though God might be in the middle, is wrong. All good teaching starts with God and ends with God. 
God is a great initiator. Initiator. God is the Alpha and Omega. God is the beginning and the end. God reaches out to you and me long before we ever think about turning to God. So everything good, everything merciful, and everything gracious begins and ends with God. The Lord's Supper that we're going to take today begins with the Lord and it ends with the Lord. Remember the first Lord's Supper. The disciples didn't invite Jesus. Jesus gathered the disciples. He took the bread and cup. He gave the elements to them. He explained its meaning. He invited them to eat and drink. There's no question of the disciples offering something to Jesus. They received from the Lord Jesus Christ that night around the table. It is Jesus Christ taking the bread and the wine and explaining the significance of his death and how it will touch them for eternity. And that's what the Lord's Supper is all about. So the movement of the Lord's Supper is important for you and me to understand that it comes from God and not to us. Not the other way around. And you may say, well, this is not a big deal. But it is a big deal because it makes all the difference in the world. Because I want you to get this and understand this. Why is this important? Because if you're not careful, you'll come to the place where you think, I need to do something to please God. I need to make an offering to God. I may need to do something that will... Make God be good to me. Make God be gracious to me. You know what you're saying if you do that? You're saying, if I don't do that, then God is angry with me or will be angry with me. I'm trying to appease an angry God. In Ecuador, large Catholic cathedrals, hundreds of years old, it was common to see people at the back door get on their knees and I'm talking a long ways sometimes four or five six times longer than this building of those doors and they would walk on their knees from that back door all the way to the front of the church because they were trying to appease God They saw God as angry, God as mad, and they needed to do something to earn his favor and to earn his grace. And so sometimes we think, I have to do something so God won't be angry with me anymore. I need to do something to earn God's grace, God's mercy, and God's grace and goodness. Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm going to use another big word, and I'm going to preach on this. Who is Jesus? Out of 1 John chapter 2. But if you think you've got to do something to make God happy, you're saying God is not fully propitiated. We'll look at propitiation. And that shouldn't scare you, and you'll know what it is. But it simply means that God isn't satisfied. And if you're not careful... If you think God is not satisfied, what you're saying is God is not satisfied with the death of his son on the cross. That is, Jesus' death plus what you do to earn the salvation, the grace, the mercy, and the goodness of God. Therefore, to keep God from being angry with us, we must do this 
Whatever we do, the thing, think that we made God happy, make God satisfied, at least for a moment, we think we got to do it again and again and again and again and again, just in case he might have a little bit more angry. So if you think you're trying to earn God's grace and God's favor, you're, you really don't believe that Jesus Christ paid it all. But the Lord's Supper is saying to you and me that he has paid it all and he's paid it in full. That God is fully satisfied with the death of his son. That really, it is true that when he cried on the cross, it is finished. It was finished. And there's nothing you need to do to earn God's favor and grace. Because salvation doesn't come from what we do. It comes from what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. And we cannot add to it. So quit trying to earn God's favor. Obey the Lord. Realize that he is gracious towards us because of the death of his son on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see that in pictures this morning that his body, God's son's body was broken for you and his blood was shed for you. And because there is, because he did, there is reconciliation before you, for me, between God. There is now newness of life. And God wants you and I, you and me, to receive it from him. So the Lord's Supper is a wonderful gift to you and to me. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Twice in this passage, he tells us to do this in remembrance of him. The Lord's Supper is a time to remember, a time to look back to the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross for our sins, it's a time to remember that he took our place. He paid our price so that we could have freedom and forgiveness with God. Not only is it a time to remember, it is a time to repent. Because later in these passages we will look at, he tells us to examine ourselves. And we're to look at our lives to see how we are, where we are with God. Are we living for God? Are we living for His glory? If you examine yourself as you take this supper, these elements, look at your life. Because the first thing you want to do as a Christian is be right with God. And you're to be right with God's child, all of them, even if you're married to Him. There's no exception clauses. And so when you examine yourself, you're to look at your how you relate to others. That's one of the next things. You're to be reconciled with the members of the body. It's remember, repent, and be reconciled. You're to look around. Unity in the church, unity in the home is important to God Almighty. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. 
Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference. Are you a Christian who likes to read? If not, there's a whole world of Christian publishing out there that you're missing out on. I invite you to check out the Author's Corner podcast, where I talk to the latest Christian authors each week about their new book releases and what's coming next. So if you're ready to jumpstart your spiritual growth with the newest books and the authors who write them, check out the Author's Corner podcast with me, Roberta Foster. 